Well, welcome to the follow-up podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor Church. And today I'm joined by Michael Solis, our children's director, and Cliff Tatum, our interim pastor and speaker from Sunday. So, uh, little disclaimer right here at the beginning of the podcast. This is being recorded in advance because when you, the listener, are listening to this, I will be in Europe. So, I um, obviously did not fly back to record this. So, we're actually going to do something we haven't done before. We're going to look at the manuscript and the notes ahead of time and have more of a conversation about, um, I guess, really kind of the background process since we don't really get to talk about, oh, Cliff, you did this on Sunday or that you said this, blah, blah, blah. So um, this is going to be kind of uh, a different podcast, but we still hope that it's beneficial. So instead of follow-up, we'd call it the prequel. Yeah, the prequel. Yeah, the lead-up. Yeah. We're going to change everything after this. Yeah, I got to change the graphic. (laughs) It's a ton of work. So um, one thing that hasn't changed, though, is that we're still in the same series that we've been in for, um, I guess, this would be the second month of it, right? Yep. so this is going to be challenging <laughs> thinking about it because there's weeks that we haven't covered yet that um, we're going to be referencing too. But at this point, we're talking about Legion. Correct. And um, let's give some background. Obviously, on Sunday, you probably gave some background. But for this podcast, let's yeah. uh, let's do a little bit of background yeah. for everyone's sake. Yeah. Um, where does this kind of first pop up at in, in the Bible, Legion? Uh, it actually is in three of the different Gospels, and go. uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story. Um, Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 5, and Luke chapter 8. Uh, one of them, I believe it's Matthew, uh, actually has a little different take on it. Only one of the three describes them as actually being two people. Yeah. And uh, and then the other two just seem to overlook the fact yep. and focus on the one guy, and his name isn't Legion, but we title it that because yeah. that's what the demons said when Jesus asked them yep. who their names were, uh, for this demon-possessed guy. So, yeah. Is there, uh, is there any sort of background that we learn about this person before the demon possession? No. Okay. Nope. Nope. It's, it just jumps right into it, and uh, which is why we will jump right into yeah. it uh, at that time. Or by the time you're hearing this, we did jump right into what, it. What I think is so funny about this podcast in particular, this episode that we're releasing, is sometimes we try and do the movie-making magic of talking. We we really fixate on our tense, right? We say, oh, we recorded this on whatever day, blah, 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 right? But now we're actually getting into a really difficult tense battle of, all right, we're looking forward but we're recording this in advance, and I feel like we're going to be stumbling over what tense to use. Yeah. And that's okay. I just yeah. hope I can pick up some things from this to make the message better. <laughs> <laughs> that's really why we're doing it this way. <laughs> so, um, and this is, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not familiar with any other, but this is like the only time we've really named a demon, correct? That's yes. possessed a human in the Bible. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause obviously there's, there's stories about other, um, people that are possessed by demons. Um, and we get to hear the miracles of Jesus and even some of the apostles driving those demons out. Right. Right. Um, exercising the demons. Uh, what, what was the reason that, that drew you to this story of demon possession? I think when we were started looking at, uh, and talking about changes, mm-hmm. uh, I started thinking about different stories that, that have a unique perspective. Yeah. 
And if we went back a few weeks prior to this, uh, you know, talking about John the Baptist and looking at it kind of a unique perspective of why is that story so unique, you know, yeah. the, and, uh, and, the, and the, the fact that he would have questions, that he would have doubts. Yeah. And so to be able to kind of pull that out as the significant change, and in this case, um, as I was thinking about this man, the actual thing that hit me the hardest about it all was the fact that Jesus had no apparent compunction about having this guy immediately jump into ministry. Yeah. And I just thought of all of the um, barriers or hurdles or, and often well-meaning things that we put in front of people before we expect them to be, quote, in ministry or doing those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And Jesus just jumped over all of them with this guy and just said, uh, no, in fact, he said, can I go with you? Well, you would think, mm -hmm. of course, I'll yeah. disciple you. I'll prepare you to be an evangelist. And instead, Jesus goes, yeah, no, just go tell people what happened to you, Yeah, which is the essence and basis of evangelism. So to me, that unique approach uh, is something that I thought, man, this is something we have to look at uh, yeah. when we're talking about changes, because it yeah. changes our perspective on who's qualified and who isn't qualified. Yeah. So... Um, obviously we're recording this two weeks in advance. So we right. have two sermons between this one, um, the one that we're hearing and, and, uh, the one we're recording. I said that right. Um, this is the first character that, um, you really don't get to see a ton of before and after, right? You'd already mentioned, we don't know much about Legion, um, and I'm assuming you can do some, you know, some some background. You can make some assumptions about who this guy right. is. But could you really just focus on the change after this um, this exorcism of the demon, right? Because um, we get a, a tiny amount with Lazarus, but not much, right? right? We don't know a whole lot, but we know what he goes on to do. I guess what I, I'm asking is what really drew you to a character that we don't get to see a huge change in because we don't know what this person was like before. Obviously, we you know, a demon being exercised is quite a change in someone's life. Right, right. Um, but yeah. I think some of the things that we do know and, and or that become apparent between the lines, if you will, because yeah. in the short kind of, uh, there was a man who was, right? Yes, yeah. and, uh, and so you, the picture that you get is that there was a time mm -hmm. when he was, let's call it, we would say normal, yeah. at least somewhat normal. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then he became less and less able to control what was the demonic activity yeah. that was going on inside of him until it became so overbearing that they ran him out of town. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we can get a picture in our heads of how long that took. We don't know, but that it, it, it got worse and worse over yeah. a period of time because it says they tied him up multiple times and, yeah. and even with chains. Mm -hmm. And he would find ways to break them. So this guy was quite a story mm -hmm. for the people in that region. Yeah. They must have been scared to death of this guy yeah. because it would just watch him get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And then he's running around naked in the tombs <laughs> yeah. up in the hills where mm -hmm. they have all the people buried, you know. Yeah. And uh, talk about a freaky deal. I'm sure it was a yeah. graveyard. People weren't excited about walking past. Mm -hmm. Well, and what I think is interesting anytime we come across the story of anyone being possessed, right, in the Bible. Um, at least in the Western world, it's not something that we 
talk about quite a bit. I've, I mean, I went to Bible college, so I got to hear stories about people who actually went out and visited people that were possessed. But in my lifetime, I've never came across someone who has said that they've been possessed or anything like that. But I know it happens, and it happens a lot more in the Eastern Hemisphere, right? And in some other countries, I remember hearing from friends who went on trips to Haiti with um, voodoo and possession over there. It's a little bit more common. I say all this to ask, what is the application when you look at someone who is possessed in the Bible? And that's probably not something that we're familiar with as much, right? Possession, but it seemed to be a lot more common in Jesus' time to, to come across people who are possessed. So I'm curious, what is the application or um, what's the the takeaway that we could walk away with after hearing the story? Well, I think that uh, the demonic activity, and I'll say particularly in our nation, yeah, is more covert. Yes, yeah. the demons are not mm-hmm. dumb, and yeah. and uh, they know if they manifest it as easily as they do in some areas, mm-hmm. even around the globe today. Yeah, uh, it would be uh, they'd be approached quite differently, and so mm-hmm. they they're smart enough to be able to to figure that out. But mm-hmm. they're very evident mm-hmm. in all cases, whether it's outright demonic activity, mm-hmm. whether it's demonic harassment, whether it's just. Uh, you know, I I think that maybe some of the things that we mm. uh, view as mental illnesses may not be mental illnesses. Mm. They may be demonic activity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for us to be open to say anything that gets in the way of someone being able to have a relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. should be dealt with if the people are willing to have that dealt with. Yeah. And, uh, and Jesus would often ask, you know, um, in some cases, I think he just assumed. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, he didn't ask. He just told mm. them to come out, mm. and then they started making a big fuss, and and then that's when he said, you know, he asked them what their name was, and yeah. and Legion for we are many, mm-hmm. and um, so I think, you know, uh, other places in the New Testament where you see Paul uh, throwing a demon out and stuff, yeah. then um, again in that case with a young girl, he didn't ask, he just spoke directly to the demon and said, get out, and mm. uh, I wonder in a case like that afterwards, yeah, did she come to faith in Christ? Yeah. Or did she just have the demons removed? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're warned about that in Scripture. Don't don't yeah. cast them out if you're not mm-hmm. going to replace it with something good, because mm-hmm. otherwise they'll come back seven times stronger. Yeah. So um, I think, to me, the, the, though, the thing here is uh, Jesus had something for this guy to do. Yeah. And he does for every single one of us. Mm-hmm. And to me... The fact that the guy we're calling Legion, mm-hmm. that this demon-possessed guy <laughs> yeah. could go from being possessed by a legion, over 6,000 demons, mm-hmm. and and immediately yeah. begin living for Christ, mm-hmm. that leaves n- uh, us all, all the rest mm-hmm. of us, all yeah. the rest of us who are uh, in any continuum past that, with no excuse mm-hmm. not to live for yeah. Christ. And I think mm-hmm. that's the thing to me that, um, so the whole f- idea of Jesus, Jesus changes our purpose, our yeah. purpose for living completely mm-hmm. when, he, when we interact with him. Mm-hmm. And if you say you believe in Jesus and follow him, mm-hmm. and it has not changed your purpose, I would, gosh, I would actually question mm-hmm. whether you really are in that kind of relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious because I grew up in a non-denominational, maybe you'd even describe it as kind of a vanilla Christian church, right? <laughs> um, Michael, you grew up in a in a 
more charismatic context. Is that correct? Y- yeah, a couple of them. So okay. yeah, yeah. I'll say so that. I was gonna ask: <laughs> Do you have any sort of experience or heard stories about any sort of possession or even like laying on hands and, um, I guess, anointing, cleansing people, kind of a situation? No, uh, that's a good question. It's it, it's always a tricky conversation to have to talk about these things because I yeah. know there are some out there who might believe that yeah. uh, in the spiritual world, those kinds of possessions are no longer. Mm-hmm. Like I've run into folks who believe that kind of thing as well. Uh, so if when I talk about these kind of things, oftentimes it's a deal where they're like, I don't know if I can believe Michael yeah. saw what he saw kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, But I can only speak to what I actually mm-hmm. experienced. And I actually... Uh, have been part of praying over people uh, yeah. to be free from demon possession yeah. or oppression, if that's what mm-hmm. we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I remember being a very young age, seeing that and uh, seeing people who were very suicidal in mm-hmm. many ways because uh, because of the oppression and just kind of being pretty mind blown at yeah. that age. So yeah, that's that. I, I had a lot of experience with that. Okay. And I interrupted you to ask that question. It sounded like you were about to say something else. Oh, yeah. The only thing I was going to say to that with what everything Cliff was describing was at this point, by the time the sermon happens, this will have been a number of weeks, but this is a fantastic illustration of what was once preached by Cliff about, I was this yes but yeah. now i am because mm-hmm. of jesus yeah and in this case this this guy who clearly god's send jesus is sending away to go yeah. be an evangelist of sorts this is right there yeah. prime example of mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. possessed, possessed yes but i am free yeah and all the rest doesn't matter yeah right right well so. and i think what's so cool about those um examples of um, demonic presences being driven out, right, is if you want to look at it from a very Western, maybe less supernatural view of it, it's really a conversation of agency, right? You have a person who has no agency because they are being possessed and controlled by a spirit, a demon, whatever you want to call it, right? And then Jesus comes through or an apostle in the name of Jesus comes through and cleanses this person And I think that your brain goes, maybe if you're trying to think back to their context of, I've now been freed from this evil master, so the transaction should be I'm now a slave to a good master, right? And what you see in Jesus's teaching is all about freedom, right? It's not a, okay, I I freed you, so now you follow me. It's there's an option, right? There's freedom in that. And most of the people say, no, I want to follow you. Like, you are a good master. I was under control of a bad master. And with agency, I'm going to choose to follow you. And I think that's kind of where my brain goes in how do we take this story that has, I think, some some buzzword to it. There's some people that really don't like to talk about demon possession or, or like to believe that's something that happened in the Bible but doesn't happen here anymore. Like, we don't see that. And I think that Truly, if you just want to look at it through a narrative lens, it's a story about agency and how Jesus really doesn't desire us to be these, you know, uh, thoughtless followers. He wants there to be freedom and, and free will and choice. So, um, and that stuff is messy. Hey? Yeah, you know, I mean, it is just <laughs> it's messy, very messy, and it's a little bit scary. And uh, I think that to to realize that God does some of his best work in what mm-hmm. we would see as very unpleasant circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we realize that, 
then sometimes it allows us to view those things with less, um, uh, being less with less fear mm-hmm. to say, wait a minute, this really is unpleasant. I don't yeah. like being in this circumstance. I don't like this situation, mm-hmm. but I know God can work in that. And so I'm going to be, I'm looking for him to do that. And yeah. I'm inviting him to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you. I think you had some, uh, said something just brilliant there, mm. Hayden, when you're talking about, uh, and Cliff, you had alluded to, you know, if you don't replace what is there with something else, it will come back sevenfold. You know, um, I often heard that you, in order to... Uh, to do away with a stronghold in life, whether yeah. we're talking about addiction, whether we're talking about demon possession, yeah. you need to replace it with a new stronghold. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, uh, really what, what we're seeing is Jesus is working a healing from the inside out, yeah. and he is the the place. You're talking about mm-hmm. a good master. I yeah. feel, uh, you know, taking it back to when we were talking about even Mary, yeah. um, we were talking about her saying, you are my master. Yeah. I will follow you. Yeah. Taking it back to Christmas. How crazy is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but not without replacing, without submitting. And mm-hmm. that's such an interesting word, too, because I feel mm-hmm. like that's become a buzzword in our society today saying submission. No, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah. do submission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm free. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. got freedom. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I recently heard someone say submission is actually submitting to the mission. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love yes. that. I was like, yes, you know, if Jesus yeah. is calling us to mm-hmm. something, a purpose, we are yeah. submitting to, to what his Jesus mission. Has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus' yeah. mission. Yeah. And so yeah. th- when when I think about it like this versus I'm being lorded over by yeah. someone who's yeah. just going to basically a- abuse mm-hmm. my my loyalty, yeah. that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. It's someone yeah. who right. loves me and wants to see me free mm-hmm. and I'm free because of the submission to the king. Yeah. 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 So cool. And the, and the neat thing about that is no matter where you're at when he enters in, the work he's going he's gonna to work at completing that work in you. So, you know, when we're talking about this being messy and demonic possession being messy, I can't help but think of God. God works in messes like he did with Legion, works in messes, and then with the mess and then through the mess. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing with all of us. He's, he wants to do the work internally, mm-hmm. and then it, has an, it begins to have an immediate impact outside, and then ultimately it gives him the opportunity to work through us uh, to be able to impact others. Which is so, uh, I don't know if you guys would relate to this, but for me it's kind of, I kind of go, Jesus, is there any way around all that? Can we not just work through all the messiness? Mm, and yeah. just, Can't you just like take it and throw it like a uh, like a surgery <laughs> yeah yeah but no jesus is is an inside out kind of deal mm-hmm. yeah yeah but well, it was a pretty pretty serious quick surgery yeah, yeah. There, right <laughs> yeah right? yeah absolutely yeah. Well, it, but but i still have to wonder knowing who jesus is it, it just because of the, the 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 new stronghold that jesus now has in his life i wonder what the healing process possibly continued to be right. for him mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah it's a good question yeah well and i think Going back to what you said earlier, Cliff, about, um, you know, demons in the modern age have to be a little bit more, um, I guess, hidden, right? Not as in plain sight. And I, I think I was scrolling through your, um, your manuscript and I, I saw maybe just one word to make me think about, you know, demons today oftentimes take on the shape of vices, right? And um, I think you look at the story of Legion and you say, 
okay, I've never seen anyone like that before. But really, have have you though? You know, have you seen someone who is so under the control of a vice? And it doesn't have to be the the very obvious ones of alcohol, drugs, whatever. Right. You see it in success. You see it in appearances. You see these things that really. And I don't want to get too narrative and uh, talking about things from an abstract point of view, but like how often are you under the control of this vice to appear successful, right? to, to keep up appearances, to, to um, all these other things that become, we like to say sometimes idols, right? Some, something that's not overtly negative, but we turn it into a negative. Um, and is that really kind of how maybe demons operate in the Western world that would notice someone demon possessed right away and be able to point it out. Have we not all fallen into these, you know, these vices? So yeah. I'm curious, um, you get to a spot in your manuscript. Um, it says, uh, problem causing possible elimination. Yeah. So, um, to me <laughs> in the churches of today, I, I'm not sure I know of one that would say, Oh, you've been possessed by, yeah. thousands of demons, but <laughs> yeah. you're clean today. Why yeah. don't you be an evangelist for us? You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. and but I think that's my point with this message is that God wants to use all of us, and if we start putting human, uh, our own idea yeah. of what makes a qualifier or a disqualifier, we're going to start eliminating a lot of people, and, mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted to go into with a problem causing possible elimination. Yeah, who would we have eliminated if we said, you know, hey, hey, somebody that God wants to use? Well, yeah, what's their what's their deal? Well, they got drunk and naked. Yeah. Well, and if therefore that disqualified them, we would have disqualified Noah. Noah yeah. Right. Okay. And and uh, the same thing with the rest of those that we're gonna we're gonna go through. You know, and and mm-hmm. uh, we just we talked about John the Baptist a little while ago. So, um, you know, hey hey hey, we got somebody over here who dresses weird. They're a recluse mm-hmm. and uh, even doubt sometimes. So these have to be biblical figures. That you're the, well, that, well, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, just you Obviously. wait. No, actually they don't. They, actually they don't, Michael, because yeah. I will if. I, if we if I remember to include it, we will talk about those who've been in prison in trouble with authorities and so forth, and That's we can right. say, yeah, well, that was Paul, that was Peter, that was John, that was Cliff. Cliff. <laughs> so there you go, there you go. I love it. <laughs> well, what I think is interesting about this list when you first came on uh, staff, Cliff, we had a, a staff meeting about um, kind of a a thought process that we've noticed in our culture, especially in our church, of when you come to Jesus or you clean up your act, there's also this feeling of like a probationary period, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm I'm better now, but I gotta I gotta put six months of clean living or a year of clean living under my life before I can really feel like I am qualified to be used in ministry, right? And we see with all of these people, that was not the case, right? Jesus right. literally said, Come and follow me, right? And um what I like is the point after you get through that list was a relationship with God changed their purpose, right? Yes. But you never see in those stories where we tend to go and whether it's our Western mind or whatever of, okay, but I can't, I can't get up and help at the church because that issue that was in my life isn't as far away from me as I'd like it to be. And that's not biblical. You know what? I think it's actually a mis- application yeah. of a biblical premise. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Paul says, 
don't be hasty yeah. in, in appointing somebody to leadership. Yeah. Um, he was saying, hey, if somebody's a new believer and they've just been a new believer for a month or two, yeah. for goodness sakes, don't put them in charge of the church. They won't, they'll, yeah. it, you're, you're setting them up for failure. Mm-hmm. But he's not saying, and this is where we go with it as the church, we want to make rules then. So now we're going yeah. to decide how long somebody should do yep. something and how many months it should be before they dot, 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 dot. Yep. And Jesus didn't, Jesus did not do that. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think, why would we? Mm-hmm. Because what, but what Jesus did instead is he said, no, your story, your testimony, mm-hmm. your story for God's glory is immediate. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you can begin to do that. You can begin to share, you can be involved in ministry. Yeah. And then the natural growth process will move you to leadership, hopefully at the appropriate time. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're getting close on time. And um, I know we didn't really talk too much about your message, Cliff, but we talked about the subject matter, which I think is going to have to do, since obviously there's no way for us to look into the future um, and know how you preach the message. But I just want to give you guys both the opportunity um, to mention anything that you you wanted to before time runs out. But um, yeah, so I'll leave it up to you two. If there's anything that's coming to mind on this conversation... Um, gosh, you can just say, "Wow, Cliff, that was the most amazing." Cliff, that message. was the best sermon I ever heard. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I guess one of the questions I had, Cliff, was: uh, It's fascinating to me it, 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 when I die and go to heaven someday. It's going to be fun for me to ask Jesus. So, why did you call some to follow you and not others? And clearly, in this case, there was an evangelistic bent mm. that jesus understood was going to happen yeah um and and like you said it'd be cool i mean you you would think he would say hey why don't i train you up a little even for a week right a week with jesus right who wouldn't benefit from that exactly (laughs) yeah but he said no you don't you don't need it yeah go yeah go home and and that was another thing that caught my attention because i think when i go home they they know me and they're like, yeah, you're Michael, you know, whatever you've you've <laughs> earned or gained. What? Yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, right. It's like, right. It's, you're still Michael, mm-hmm. but, yeah. uh, but there's something different when you go out to people who don't know you and you're sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. Jesus said, no, go home first. Right. And mm-hmm. I found that to be really interesting. And I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons, Michael, in this case, I think the reason Jesus said that was the marked change was so significant that the people at home would be the ones who would recognize it the, the most, yeah. right? They couldn't deny yeah. it. They couldn't yeah. deny it. And, yeah. and, and the first and foremost one was, here he comes. What? What? He's wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah. What's that about? Yeah, do you think he's going to try to kill us today? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And then to hear him talk about that would have just been, oh, my goodness. So yeah. I think he really gave him the most fertile ground mm-hmm. to start with. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I think that's the the uh the other side of the story we don't get to hear right of the the loved ones of that person who just could see the person they loved but not have communication with them really right. know that person because they've been yeah know, hijacked by somebody else right and cliff you you did a similar thing when when you talk about Jesus healing the man with leprosy going home to his family and I remember feeling the weight of what would that be if someone yeah. who I thought was gone and lost forever mm-hmm. came Suddenly back up. healed and changed, and I get to have a relationship with them still. Yeah. This is a similar thing. Yes. 
where you're yeah. like, they, they're gone. Yeah. And depending on the translation, it didn't stop at home because the one of them says, and he went about the Decapolis, which was 10 towns in that area. So, so cool. He just became a, man, I'm going to talk to anybody about this. And, and I think that to me is the underlying deal. If, if Jesus will use a guy who's been demon-possessed to do that, then for goodness sakes, he can use us. <laughs> That's right. If we just say, will you? Will yeah. you use us mm-hmm. and let us be that witness for you? Yeah. So that's my hope and prayer for the people at Arbor who will have the chance to hear this, is that they really come away with that. Now that we've said that pre-facto, mm-hmm. I hope that post-facto they will, they'll, uh, they'll actually say that. I think your sermon's yeah. ready. Yeah. There we go. Ready to go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shouldn't share too much because I don't want to spoil the sermon. So. Yeah. Um, I'm going to wrap things up, but uh, thank you guys for talking on this message. And uh, thank you to the listeners who uh, tuned in. And we'll see you guys next week.